Dublin's Talking Sport. Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, Reg. How are you? I'm not too bad now. I'm not going to gloat too much. I'm going to let you get into it easy now before I get <laughs> oh, stuck into it. I wasn't actually... I was going to take the phone call this morning <laughs> on the, on I, the last week's Damadale traction, I must say. Well, I tell you, it got some coverage. I mean, uh, I, at home in my house, obviously, with the Liverpool fan, it was very, very good news. <laughs> but um, I have to say, nobody saw it coming. It absolutely came out of the blue, yeah. didn't it? It did, yeah, yeah. And I think... You know, when they went one nil down, two nil down, and it was, that was it. It was just uh, it was just capitulation uh, of the extreme. They didn't they didn't weren't, didn't do the things they were doing before. And that Liverpool play well. It was always going to be a tough match at Anfield. You know, it always is, but would never expect it seven nil. Particularly the way the two sides have been playing, and uh, you know, you'd have been on, on a great run. You thought going there with a lot of confidence, but just collapsed and then sort of gave up doing what they've been doing all season, working for each other. It was back to the old sort of style of United. And very, very worrying. But uh, no, I thought Liverpool were obviously uh, on top of it. Uh, once they got ahead, then they just steamed ahead and they played really, really well. You know, I think all That's the chat though... Yeah, I know they did. It's hard for you to say that. But <laughs> I, I just thought uh, the chat during the week was... Uh, it, it was more shock, but uh, like at, at the way they kind of just didn't even bother and there was a lot of questions being asked about the attitude of the players and we hadn't seen that for such a long time with United it's weird how it just seemed to happen yeah exactly and it came from sort of the top I mean you're looking for inspiration from some of your senior players and particularly the likes of 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 Fernandes who who I thought really sort of let himself down a lot during that match he Mm. sort of down tools and was moaning a lot and uh, his body language wasn't great and I think that sort of fed into the rest of the team uh, and as I said, you're looking for leaders when, when things go against you and it didn't seem to have any. They went back to their old ways a little bit. Uh, but they bounced back, I suppose, during the week. But I mean, obviously, you know, we, I've never seen witness a 7-0 against United, uh, particularly uh, by our arch rivals, uh, Liverpool, like in my lifetime and probably won't ever see it again. But, you know, they, these things come along. It's like in any sport, isn't it, Reg? You know, you have a bad day, a really bad day you chalk it off and just try and learn from it and get on with it you know and thankfully they got a good result during the week after that but yeah but that will hoard for a long long time that match absolutely yeah well anyway um, as you said they got a good bounce back during the week and uh, yeah look I mean I suppose these things happen glitches happen but it, it just it had been going going so well for them. It was it was a bit of a shock. There's no doubt about it. But uh, yeah. I, 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 I did I did enjoy the uh, I did enjoy the uh, the images from uh, from Anfield between Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville. Though. Yeah, you know, the stuff uh, that was posted on on social media and stuff. It was quite it was quite funny. You know, I think the off the field stuff was better than the match. To be honest with you, you know all of that was going on, and yeah. uh, you know Neville trying to. You know, I don't know what he was trying to do. He was trying to defend it, and it was indefensible. The, yeah. the stuff that he was talking about and trying to, you know, and, and with Sunas as well. The way there was the, the conversation there was, going there back was and forth. Carragher, yeah, against Keane and yeah. Neville in the studio. It was like, yeah, it was uh, it was a right good matchup between the four of them. I must say, but it was great. Yeah, I mean, that, that stuff is quite good to see, you know, and it shows you how much that 
passion about sets of fans have and even those ex-footballers they still have great passion for their teams you know yeah 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 and uh, I suppose talking about pundits it's been a really weird week as well uh, with yeah. all of the stuff that's going on with Match of the Day and Gary Lineker yeah. and tweets and very very messy mm. situation that it seems to be developing over there and you have to wonder with uh, I'd see Alan Shearer and uh, Wrighty, they've said they're not going to co present, and you'd wonder yeah. who who's going to take that on. Will there be a match of the day well, <laughs> this weekend? Well, it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a poison challenge. So what I was reading today was Reg, that there won't be any presenters or pundits that they're just going to show the footage. Uh, I don't know where they're going to get the commentary from because even the commentators are sort of uh, getting behind Gary Lineker, and they're not going to commentate on the matches. So uh, I don't know what sort of feed they're going to get uh, from the commentary point of view, but I think they're just going to show the highlights of the matches with no presentation whatsoever, well, which would be very, very strange. But it's very, very messy. Very messy. I, I, I yeah. you know, I, I don't think. I, I think that it seems like the BBC have got this one wrong. They're not reading the room very well. Um, mm. They seem to have gotten this one wrong because uh, you know, at the end of the day, their the argument is that people can have an opinion and um, they're trying to yeah. control like they they're trying to control the yeah. media because they're government backed media you're kind of going well that's not going to work yeah I mean it was okay for, for Gary Lineker to talk about the human rights issue uh, and the issues like around Qatar during the World Cup I mean that was quite evident in his, his opening sort of gambit mm. you know when uh, for the BBC and that was okay to, to mention political issues then uh, maybe the language in the tweet, you know, referring it to sort of Germany in the 1940s, maybe, you know, if he if he had to do it again, maybe he wouldn't have used that language. But I can understand where he's coming from with it, from the political sort of statement he was trying to make, but maybe the language mightn't have been... Well, uh, I, I think, Ken, yeah, but I think um, they use that as an excuse, you know what I mean, that yeah. they, they throw in the, oh, you know, you're referring to Nazi Germany and that's inappropriate yeah. and everything else. But sometimes... That's handy for people with a certain agenda to use that as a kind of a, well, you can't say that. Yeah. But the reality is he wasn't, you know, he wasn't trying to infer anything by that. He was just making no. a reference to it. So it, it feels much more like there's been a big, heavy hand come in from a political point of view from government said, listen, you know, at the end of the day, you know yourself, it comes down to them being funded by the government and the big heavy hand has come in and gone, you watch what's being done and said out there, don't exactly. criticise us or the money will stop coming. Yeah. Now that's... Like exactly. anyone can see and he may, that. He, he maybe he sort of made a scapegoat because of it, you know. But yeah. he's he's uh, he's very forthright in his opinions on Twitter, uh, and you know he's not going to apologise. And they they've sort of stepped him down. They're saying that he's going to take a, a step back from match of the day, but he hasn't stepped down. They're just like sort of forcing him. Yeah. And that's why all the other boys are standing in behind him in solidarity. But how long that will go on for? Will, will you know the proof will be in the pudding, Reg? You know because someone will definitely come in and, and have to uh, step in his shoes if he, unless he, unless he comes, unless he climbs down from a state. I don't, I don't think. think yeah, I, I think I, you know, genuinely think this this could be. Uh, I don't think the BBC will climb down. I don't think Gary Lineker will either. I think this could be. No, because um, whoever does will look very very weak and anyway. Yeah, and uh, I definitely the BBC won't fly, won't climb down. There's no way will they. So they'll mm. probably have to find a replacement and whoever's going to take it on as I said it may be a poison chalice 
not one that puts somebody will step into his shoes. Yeah, a younger presenter will just go, you know what, it's nothing yeah. to do with me. I'm going to do a job. Here's my opportunity. I'm going to take it and go in for yeah. it. And that, that's, uh, like, that's the way life works. <laughs> it happens, that's moves on, and works. the next thing is there's another 7-0 thriller and it's all, all forgotten yeah. about. <laughs> Absolutely. A few months' time, he yeah. started yesterday's news, you know. So. Exactly. That's but, exactly okay. it. That's the uh, that's the way that's, that's the, the world uh, we're statement. in. Yeah, that's the way that's the way the world goes. Yeah. Mm. Of course, if Cheltenham next weekend, I'm not uh, going to say that in red because I'm, I'm, I know I'm employed by people. I know. <laughs> I, I I I hear you. I, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want you to either. But uh, we move on to Cheltenham because it's uh, happening next week. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. We're going to have it, Nina. Nina. I'm looking forward to listening to Nina Carberry and mm. also uh, George McDonough as well and his and his tips. But yeah, I love. But look, Chant, it's a great week, and particularly, you know, to finish on Paddy's Day as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to Dublin actually for a few days. We've got a wedding on on the uh, I would say Patrick's Day, would you believe? But uh, looking forward to the to the whole of Chantham, I must say, it's fantastic. I spent four days there uh, a few years ago. I think it was 2018, Reg, and yeah. I was with Phil Tufnell working. Both were working. I was working as captain of the Irish team, and he was captain of the English team, and it was. One of the most memorable four days I think I'd ever in a sport in sort of context. It was yeah. absolutely fantastic, you know. Yeah, yeah I've never been, but I, I'll get there someday. I must oh, say, I'm looking nice. forward to getting there for to experience it. I yeah. don't know though. Uh, and it, they it, talk it, about that Cheltenham roar, you know. Yeah. I went out to the crowd, you know, for the very first race. Just stood in in the mix of the crowd, and just when the when the the flag went up, and then of course the, they take off, and it's just, just to witness that was just fantastic. Yeah, know? absolutely, absolutely. Um, there was oh, a bit of. <laughs> there was a bit of snooker on as well the, uh, the six ball challenge yeah the six red uh, world championship is on actually the final is tonight um, Ding Jung Wee is playing the home favourite Tep Choya uh, so it should be a cracking final first to eight in Bangkok it's been very very successful Ronnie O'Sullivan's been out here Judd Trump has been out here O'Sullivan's match against James Montana I think there was about 4,000 people at it uh, and it was just really fantastic. It's great to have because it hasn't been on here obviously since COVID. Mm. So it's great to be uh, to be back over here, and uh, that's where I am now at the moment. And uh, and uh, also it might be the beginning of the the tournament starting in China, which I think is going to start back in September because since obviously COVID, we've we've missed quite a lot of tournaments in China as well. So it's great it's great to be back over here. Absolutely brilliant. Will you get a chance? Uh, you mightn't get to see too much of the rugby then. Oh, I will. I will see it tomorrow, definitely for sure. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think Ireland have a chance to win in the Grand Slam if results go away between the England France game and Ireland win with a with a bonus point, and there's no bonus point for France. Uh, I think that's a possibility, is it, right? I know. We win if we win against Scotland and um, we win against England, we'll win it anyway. So that's uh, the, yeah. that's the Grand Slam. So we're we're looking good. There's a lot of people well, worried about the Scottish it, we match. Could win it with a game to spare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. you win the Grand Slam, you beat everyone. That's it. There's no, there's no, yeah, yeah, nobody yeah, else yeah, can yeah, catch you. So you've beaten them all. So we're in, on track. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's only been done three times by an Irish team. So uh, yeah, it's Brilliant. a big deal. It's a big deal. But I mean, yeah, yeah. all the rugby fans, I have to laugh. You know, I'll be talking to David Kelly about this as well. But I have to laugh. We're we're an amazing race. We're terrified, absolutely terrified of being favourites for anything. 
Um, anytime I've been sp- speaking to anybody this week, oh, no, the Scots, do- oh, that'll be a bit of a banana skin and the Scots are very dangerous and the Scots this <laughs> yeah. and this. And I'm looking at them going, lads, we beat France. We beat, you know, uh, we beat convincingly yeah, yeah. beat everybody else. We're a rock solid yeah. team. Yes, Scotland are making a bit of a comeback. Yes, Scotland are a dangerous yeah. team. And yes, on their day, Scotland could beat us, but have a bit of confidence in these yeah. lads. They're a brilliant team. They've been putting together, like you look at that team on paper that Ireland have put out plus the bench that they have there the likes of Tyke Furlong coming back mm. uh, there's a real solid bench there have yeah. confidence in this team I'm, I'm, and I'm, also, and also the confidence that they have and they're playing with Reg I mean that's yeah. such a big thing in, in any sport you know it's having the confidence the confidence of the way they played against Wales Indy and, and indeed France they're absolutely flying you know it's no fear for them whatsoever now it's time to turn our attention to rugby and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by David Kelly, Chief Sports Writer at the Irish Independent. Morning, David. How are you? Good morning, my dear Reggie. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Very good indeed. I tell you, these uh, Six Nations weekends are getting me more and more excited all the time. I have to say, last night was fantastic. What a result by the under-20s. I'm, I'm, I wasn't surprised that they won. I predicted that they'd win handsomely, but I didn't predict they'd put 80 points up on the board. Uh, a lot of good talent coming through, Dave. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, and I agree with you. <clears throat> it isn't great. window for matches, if you're so excited, why aren't you playing in Energia Park 
Donnybrook next Friday for the Legends. Because I have a little bit of sense left at this stage in my life. <laughs> I, I did play in those Legends games in the past and uh, I remember my finale was uh, after coming on and within two minutes of coming on uh, almost breaking my arm and getting smashed in the head so hard that I was seeing stars. Uh, something that never happened to me when I was actually playing at the proper level. So I, uh, I, I instead of going out that night I had to limp home with one arm in a sling driving an automatic luckily enough and I said to myself you stupid fool that's it you're done no more don't be putting those boots on again so that's why I'm not in, in an answer in an answer but I will be there and I will be cheering on the lads those brave <laughs> ex uh, teammates of mine who are going to take to the park I'll be there and I'll be out with them afterwards but more importantly um on to this weekend and everything that's happening. Um, it's a funny. It's a funny thing. I was saying it to Ken earlier, Dave. It's a funny thing being Irish because we're afraid of our life to be uh, excited about anything or in any way favourites for something. And all week, all I've been hearing is, "Oh, the Scots are a banana skin, and the Scots are getting good, and Finn Russell's on fire, and everything else." I'm not a bit worried about this game on Sunday. Do you know that? Well, I think well, we're well, going to beat well, them by ten. Yeah, I, I, I think the. I agree. I agree with you. Um, I, I've I've pretty much been accurate on all my predictions so far, um, uh, and uh, I think tomorrow should be four or five points again, um, because Ireland are, are, are better than Scotland, and they're they're better than Scotland's best. Um, but then we have the quirks of an eighty-minute match, and 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 uh, all that allows. If it was if, if, if it was already scripted, we wouldn't be talking now. But they are better, and they should win by ten to twelve points with the bonus point. Mm. But the point about getting giddy and getting excited. I mean, what I like about this Irish team is that they quietly and calmly. Uh, they are quietly and calmly giddy and excited. You know, they they are uh, in a position of being number one in the world, and before they would have been shifting uncomfortably in their seats. And um, dishing out all the all that kind of cliched plumos about oh not us really oh we're, we're really very almost ap- almost apologetic, whereas um, this squad and, and, and my colleague Roy O'Connor has a wonderful piece about Gary Keegan today, the performance coach, the head of the game, a, a really important player. I mean, he, he, this is why the Dublin footballers were so extraordinary as well. That that they, they are comfortable with their position, with their status, because. They've earned it, mm. and they've earned it by being very, very good and being uh, and through excellence. And having arrived at that point, you know, I mean, if you if you if you're doing the sugar loaf later on, I mean, you don't just arrive up and just you know uh, immediately scamper down the hill. You sit down, you have a cup of uh, a cup of a cup of something, uh, uh, coffee or more, something more medicinal, and a, and, a, and a bite, and you enjoy the scenery, you enjoy the view, and that's what this Irish team are doing, and that that's. I think fundamental to it, and we saw Rome, which was very fitful and very disjointed, but they never lost sight of, of enjoying what they were doing, and, 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 and they didn't tighten up, and this, you know, teams have tightened up before under previous coaches um, uh, in, 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 this, in this century of Irish history, when they've been very close to number one before, but this team are different. It doesn't mean they're going to win a World Cup. It doesn't mean necessarily they may win a Grand Slam. I think they will win a Grand Slam, mm. but um, it just means they're enjoying uh, every every moment when it arrives and every match when it arrives and playing with that kind of freedom. And this is not a freedom which is you know uh, a, a, utterly utterly um, uh, wanton. Um, 
they, it, it's controlled freedom. They, they're playing from a controlled base that they know their skills, they know their, their limits, but they also test their ambitions. And that, that's, that's fun to watch. And it is fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Gary Keegan because I was reading that piece earlier this morning. It's a great piece. Uh, and, and little known maybe for a lot of, of uh, supporters that there is that kind of work going on the, behind, in the background of the mindset. And it, it's interesting because it brought me back to before the 99 World Cup and I know we're going back way back in time to the dinosaurs but we did actually have sports psychologists brought in and talk to us about that, uh, you know, the, the thing. And, and one of the things that was said was, you know, Believing, believing that you could win, and do you believe that you could win a World Cup? And the reality was at the time, none of us did. You know, the answer is, oh yeah, of course we believe we can win. Blah blah. But the reality is, no, yeah. we didn't. And the reason for that was, deep down, we knew that our skill set wasn't as good as the likes of the All Blacks or England or Australia or whoever else we might have been taking on at that time, because we just weren't there yet. But for this group of players. They know that their skill set is because it's been proven time and time and time again that they're as good as the best in the world and they've beaten the best in the world. So that must give them a totally different outlook in that, you know, your self-belief is that, yes, we can win a World Cup. Yeah, I mean, you know, the World Cup is a different different animal because there's, there's, there's lots of different things can happen. It's It's... People compare it to the Six Nations in terms of the schedule, but it's it's, it's not. It's completely it's 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 a different beast entirely. But just in the context of where we are now, yeah, they do have that belief that their their best at the moment is better than anyone else's at the moment. Yeah, you know, and and it will be next week. Um, now heading into August September, you, you know, but we we we'll kind of reassess that again, and we, we, you know, is there is their best. Uh, with what they have going to be better than you know the big beasts they have to face in successive weekends to win a World Cup you know that's that's um, but we're now but we're now one of those big beasts David you know what I mean so for the other teams they're thinking the same way they've got to try and beat Ireland the number one team in the world you know it's it's different than it used to be completely yeah completely and there's no I mean uh, it sounds like I'm throwing in a caveat I'm not just a, a slight a slight element of caution that you know the 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 the, the uh, logic that's applied to Six Nations that they are the best and should win a Grand Slam and are expected to win a Grand Slam by, by themselves mm. and you know again they've very quietly and said this in public it's no it's no great secret um, it's not like eighteen where they kind of you know furtively uh, declared to themselves let's win a Grand Slam I mean this has been you know their quiet aim because they're the number one in the world I mean they're not, they're not, they're not as Johnny Sexton said yesterday. They're not planning to come fourth or second. Do you know? I mean, mm. this is what they want to be. Um, uh, but the, just the world, the World Cup. Um, they are amongst the big beasts now, and they're in the, they're in that they're in that conversation, and they they will get to the semi final. I think. But, yeah. You know, and then it's then it's anything can happen. Yeah. Then it becomes you know a clash of equals mm. almost. You know, mm. uh, because you're dealing you're de- you are dealing you're not dealing with Wales and. Um, uh, Italy and 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 uh, Scotland at that level, you know. Interestingly, Sunday uh, back to that game, Scotland. There's a couple of good heads heads up matches. You know, Ken and Doris against Jack Dempsey, Finn Russell against Sexton. They're the two juicy ones people are, are are looking at. Ireland's bench for me has much more strength and depth. I think we have a lot of uh, attack that we can bring on there as well. But what do you make of those head to heads? Ken and Doris playing exceptionally good stuff at the moment, and Finn Russell likewise for Scotland a real threat. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, 
the Scotland are strange, as we know. I mean, they could still end up three from three from five, and then it'll be like, what's the what? What was all the the chat about? I mean, they're you know Stuart Hogg, another wonderful talent. Is he's getting his hundredth cap tomorrow? It's the three hundredth match in Murrayfield. Um, uh, you, you, you know that they're they're eyeing something special. First triple crown since nineteen ninety. I think we've won half a dozen mm. since then, and first Grand Slam since nineteen ninety. So there's a lot of expectancy. Um, uh, and they're, 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 they're in a strange position because we like this time last year. If you remember, half the lads, including Mister Hogg, the captain, and speaking about guidelines and Gary Lineker match of the day. I mean, he had written the guidelines about listen, don't do this, don't do that, and half of them went out on the beer, <laughs> yeah. and 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 they arrived in Dublin and they were tanked by by Ireland. And you thought, and he restored Hogg but dropped Russell. And you think this Townsend guy is not going to last uh, a wet week. But yeah. here he is. You know, he may be off, he may not be off. His contract is dangling. Um, but they seem to be liberated as well. And differently than before, you don't know, talk about guys like Jack Dempsey, but like look at their midfield. I mean, they're not reliant on the Hog and the Russells. They're playing a, 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 a more more cohesive game that doesn't rely, it still has those individual talents, but it doesn't rely on them to spark. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stuart Hogg could have won a match with Scotland in Dublin, but he, he dropped the ball over the line. They don't have that propensity to just rely on one or two people. So, you know, it, that makes it an interesting tussle. And again, you know, the weather is a bit scrooshy or stouchy, as they say in, in Edinburgh, but, you know, hopefully there'll be a bit of ball play tomorrow and, and it'll be an interesting, and it'll ask more questions of Ireland, yeah. um, which they were asked of in Italy as well, but there are, you know, uh, positives in terms of, as you say, the bench, I mean, uh, they're starting Conor Murray and Henderson, possibly some people would say, oh, that's a conservative decision, but it, those kind of call, selection calls don't matter anymore in this team, mm. I don't think. The way Andy Farrell has been playing, um, and then you will have Jemison, uh, Gibson Park, and Ryan Bird come on. Robbie Henshaw is restored to the bench, and Gary Ringrose is in the midfield now. He's going to be solid. Aki, he can babysit Bundy Aki defensively at twelve, and James Lowe can be a bit more assured outside him because thirteen, as you know, the great god that you played with, thirteen runs the defence, and that was just ragged in in Rome. Mm. Ireland got away with it, but it was just an in- another interesting. Um, point about the Six Nations in terms of Tyke Furlong coming back as well we've seen what happens if you take out our, our world class prop no not too bad what happens if you take out our two midfielders not so hot what happens if you take out our out half well he can't he can't he can't win you a game possibly from the from the off but he can close out a game so we're we're, we're finding out lots of different things yeah. we might have to find out soon who is really Hugo Keelan's back up because we'd have no no idea maybe mm. if Hugo Keenan himself he'd clone himself but um, so there are lots of interesting factors I mean the benches yeah it's a much stronger Irish team uh, tomorrow as well which which will, will gives me confidence but yeah no, Scotland because as I talked to my good old friend Kelly Brown the former captain I mean, he said Jack Dempsey it's interesting he said it's like Rory Wilder I mean Scotland can, can throw a few punches and if they land one or two um uh, they, ha- they do have a fighter's chance so it's about Ireland not giving them that chance playing front foot early on dominating physically which I mean Ireland are a bit like Scotland used to look at France and like we used to look at France and South Africa like Ireland are now one of those physical beasts and 
Palin Doris, that man mountain, with that back row now restored, yeah. he, he is the king beast. Absolutely. Okay, let's uh, quickly move on to just um, England. There's been a lot of chat during the week about different things that will be going on. Maybe Farrell being dropped from squads, all sorts of debate. Seems to me like this English team are going down the road of their political system and their media system and their Brexit system and everything else. They're falling into tow with that uh, line at the minute and um, it's a bit of a basket case over there and Borthwick seems to be uh, finding it hard to get control of it. Uh, okay, that's an interesting uh, take on it, Reggie. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm... I haven't been really delving closely into the England thing. I will next week. But I, I'm kind of... Um, I mean, Steve, Steve Borthwick, from what I know of him, like he, he is his own man. Uh, and... Um, like you know, again without halves. I mean, everything is is to the filter of, of the out half. And in, in a lot of these cases, even even in Ireland, um, I'm, I'm fascinated by 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 the Marcus Smith thing. I, I saw him play last week. I mean, you know, I, I think I think Marcus Smith couldn't operate in the in the in the, in the, in the previous regime. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a very I mean, you know, you, 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 decent internationals and decent people have spoken about it. That it was a kind of a culture of fear, and 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 and, and, and people were hampered, and they weren't allowed to make, make mistakes. And Marcus Smith is a guy who makes mistakes, and that's what you want from great sports people. They mm. make mistakes because they try things, um, and I, I, I'm I'm fascinated by that. Uh, it's a huge, a huge game to do it. You would have thought you stick with the Farrell option and. You know, Sorry, uh, Dave, for cutting across you, but just on that point, I've watched England now play three matches. I haven't seen any rugby of them. I've seen them yeah, kick the no, ball exactly. up in the air. That, that, that's, that's why I'm I'm, yeah. I'm 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 fascinated, stroke baffled by I I, I how are they going to flip that switch tomorrow against France or today? Sorry, against yeah. France. You know, I mean, it's it's it, and and you have to stick with it because you can't if it if it if it goes wrong if it, if it fails miserably. Now, if it fails wonderfully, that's different, you know yeah. what I mean? But if it fails miserably, what do you do coming to Dublin, you know? Um, does he revert back to Farrell and admit defeat? Uh, so it's a huge... It's obviously like a, it's a gamble in some respects. I mean, he's he, he, he's here for the long haul. I mean, the World Cup is going to be... You know, England are a World Cup animal more than Ireland. Um, and, can, and can, you know, use Six Nations to do stuff like this uh, with a bit more freedom than than we do, uh, uh, than Ireland, Ireland do. Yeah, uh, I must say. But you know, I, I just think that's a fascinating call. But I, I wouldn't. I, I think uh, you know, Borthwick is his own is his own fellow. But um, I, I think he's the atmosphere of, of that team is different now, and that may that may help them. But maybe not. Maybe not today. But mm. France are in a lull as well. They're in a lull. I thought we we Ireland would beat them uh, in Paris. I was very confident about that. Scotland should have beaten them. Yeah, that's their missed opportunity. Um, so you know that might give England a chance. Yeah, well, for what it's worth, I think France will beat England today. Um, uh, I, I, the last part then is you know I've never seen a game with more pressure on a Welsh team in my life going into Italy, and it's so crucial for them to get a win and I'm not sure that they can I think they will I'll be honest I think they will I know I'm going against the grain on that a little bit because Italy have improved but I think Wales will manufacture a win somewhere but a huge amount of pressure on that team Yeah well again you're, you're back to pressure performance and, and liberation and Italy have that liberation now which they showed against Ireland it's a pity our, our friend from Toulouse is not playing but um, uh, they have the, you, you know you, you'd hope that 
obviously they know that this is the game for them, that they don't seize up and they don't tighten up within themselves, that they continue to play that, that freedom. And, and can, can Wales, do, can you, you know, they will say, but I mean, you know, psychologically, you know, they just must be, um, it, it's very it's very difficult to see, uh, to, to understand the, the position that they're in. And can they forget their their troubles and their worries for 80 minutes and, and ju- just play? Uh, I, I, I really don't know because they, they just there's, there's no evidence to base that on. Um, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm disagreeing with you on two predictions, uh, Reggie. But okay. as always, you you will you will always be right. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. That's one thing I do know, Dave. And really enjoyed that chat. Thanks for taking the time to come on and talk to us this morning about all. And that. make sure lots of people get Donnybrook next Friday is for the injured players. As you know, Ireland against England kick off the weekend in style. Okay, it's time for GA now with Declan Drake. Starting with news of a first reversal in league action for Desi Farrell's Dublin footballers, who last Saturday lost their 100% Division 2 record in the Allianz National Football League to Ulster champions Derry, going down 111 to 13 points at Celtic Park. Dublin indeed a man down at the end of the 70 minutes as well, with Michael Fitzsimons having been sent off. They looked quite comfortable at half-time, you'd have to say, leading by five points, seven to two. But right at the death, Derry turned one point into two with a last gasp winner. It's a result which, after five league outings, sees Dublin in second place behind the Foilsiders. Dublin have two games remaining next Sunday against Meath down in Park Tolchin in Navan and they complete their divisional campaign with a Croke Park date with Loud the following week. Well, earlier on during the week, I caught up with former Herald journalist Ronan McLaughlin to discuss the events of Celtic Park and to review Dublin's National Football League campaign to date. He began by telling me what he thought the main difference between the first and the second half was in Derry last week. Well, I think what happened in the second half was that Derry played with just a lot more intensity. Um, I was very, very surprised to see how they set up in the first half. Uh, Given that Dublin were coming to town, they were on a crest of a wave. And yet they seemed to cede possession and territory far too easily. They sat back too much. They weren't getting hands on Dublin players, which is very unusual for them. So looking at Dublin's performance, I certainly don't think it was as good as people were saying. And there were a lot of people were very excited by how Dublin controlled that first half. But to be honest with you, given how the game first half went, I was a bit disappointed that Dublin were only five points clear. And knowing that there was going to be some reaction from Derry in the second half. And that's what we saw Derry attacked Dublin's kickouts uh, kick in the second half. They were far more aggressive. Obviously, they brought on a couple of good players like Gareth McKinless in, in particular, who was very, very influential. But it was more an attitude change more than anything else. I think also with Dublin, they don't just don't seem to have that killer instinct at the minute. Um, very disappointed with Tom Lehiff's decision to go for a point at the early stage of the second half. I mean, it was a proper goal chance. And I don't think Dublin aren't creating enough for the goal chances. So to take the easy option... Was he told to? I don't know. But it seemed to me it was almost a submission of sorts. Then, you know, Kieran Kilkenny got an awful lot of abuse for not passing inside. I think it was Costello in the, in, at a later stage in the half. But given the circumstances in the game in a tight match, and he couldn't, he mightn't have seen him, I'm not sure. But it was strange that Kilkenny got a lot of abuse and not Leif because I thought Leif's goal chance was a lot more clear cut. Um, it just shows that maybe Dublin aren't playing with the confidence um, that we would have expected from them years ago but that's where Dublin are at this moment in time um, we've seen it throughout the league I wasn't surprised to see Dublin 
um, lose the game eventually. I mean, going up to Celtic Park was always going to be tough. Uh, Derry are a good side. To lose by a point isn't the end of the world. But you'd be worried about how Dublin performed once the pressure was put on them after the break. You take the two previous games, Ronan, against Cork down in Porky Key, where they were very, very lucky to come away with the victory, and only for David O'Hanlon in goal. Cork would have won the game and Clare perhaps with a bit more conviction in Crow Park a couple of weeks ago might have beaten them as well you do have to of course give Dublin credit for the comeback that they did produce in, in, in the second half but there's certain patterns that continue to be in their performance as so far this year Well if you're an optimist you're probably looking at you know this whole famous line that they always use oh they must have done a good bank of training that week and you know it, you seem to hear it and it seems to be a great excuse for any poor performance that any inter-county team delivers at this stage of the season but we've seen a few poor performances from Dublin it started with um, Kildare the first day out where they were very very comfortable in the first half looked like they were going to hose home and with no bothers at all and unfortunately they were hanging on in the, in, in the dying moments and that pattern has kind of developed little patches of of positive play that you'd be encouraged about like the the last 15 minutes against Clare when it was really put up to them similar stages against Cork you know towards the end of the first half um, games that will probably stand to them but Dublin are where they are at this moment in time um, we don't have the level of footballer that we had a few years ago and we're trying new things and I'm, I'm glad to see players are being given a chance it's good to see Darren Newcomb come in and look relatively settled in that role Um and obviously uh, David O'Hanlon has received a lot of plaudits and deservedly so he looks like he's a serious contender to, to, to start number one for Dublin um, later on in the year but we're not seeing a lot more from that and I think most of the concerns um, are around the midfield or around the play in the forward line and we're not seeing an awful lot come through in that regard and, and that would be a worry going forward We have two games left we've got Mead and Navin next Sunday which is going to be a massive occasion anyway regardless and then finish against Louth at at Crow Park so still in pole position to qualify for a league final which is of course promotion back to Division 1 which is the ultimate aim at the start of of the competition but is getting to that league final is, is, is it masking a lot of things at the moment do you think? Well, it certainly isn't asking the fact that the standard in Division 2 isn't great. I mean, let's be honest about it. And there have been a couple of, I suppose, when we looked at it initially at the start of the year, you would have been quite enthused about some of the games that were on the horizon. You know, we good to play Kildare again. There's a great rivalry there. Similarly, Meath going down to Cork is great. Coming up against a resurgent Kerry. And then new fixtures like, like Clare and Limerick and Loud, for example, teams that we wouldn't have played that often. So it's always good to have a bit of freshness to it. And I think I remember saying that, you know, previously on the show. Um... That enthusiasm has waned a tiny bit. Um, we're kind of seeing, as you said, same old, same old. It's not developing the way we'd like. I suppose what you're hoping for is that the players are getting an awful lot of fitness training into them. So we have seen a bit of tired performances. And also, there might be a bit of Desi not looking to, to show his hand too much. I mean, the use or non-use of Conor Callan is a strange one. Um, he's there on the edge of the square um, against um, Clare and the ball wasn't being played into him. And then when you look at his positioning against Derry, he was pretty much out as wing forward for most of the game and didn't play inside at all. So we would assume if Dublin are going to have a good summer, that Khan is going to be on the edge of the square and doing what he does best. So little things like that, you would maybe, it's just a case of Dublin not showing their hand too early and they feel that they'll do enough to get to a league final and get promotion without really having to extend themselves. And I suppose that's the ultimate test in faith as a Dublin supporter. Do you believe what you see with your eyes or are you actually hoping that things are possibly better behind the scenes? But we won't know that until the summer. And as you say yourself, we're not seeing an awful lot 
of new talent come through. There's a couple of players in that squad who've had more than enough opportunities over the years to stake claims. They haven't been able to do it, yet they're being maintained in the squad. So what does that tell us? That tell us that there's a dearth of options, Declan. It's as simple as that. Um, I probably know, that I, I won't name some of the lads, that, are, but I would probably know who you're referring to. But these players have probably consistently shown that they're the best in club football in the county and it's a case of they probably deserve the chance because there really isn't anybody else that you, on the horizon that you could really look at to, to bring in. Um, you have to imagine Desi and his backroom team know those players far better than we ever do. We'll see more of those players far more than we will ever see and they have to have a degree of faith in, in their selection process. It is a concern though, obviously. If you're, if you're picking players that we see come back and have generally not been a, a success it is a worry going forward because it, there's a degree of scraping the barrel there um, on a positive note as I mentioned before David O'Hanlon coming in has been a huge um, plus for, for Desi this year I would imagine he's looked very very composed in what he's done his kickouts have largely been very very good on a team that hasn't been brilliant at midfield we, we've struggled a bit around midfield yet he hasn't been exposed in the way that other goalkeepers have been before and the shot stopping has been excellent has been crucial in, in, in some of our victories so he is the one bright uh, spark I would say at this moment in time but uh, we could do it a few more Some interesting stuff there from Ronan McLaughlin thanks indeed to him for his time during the week and also to Ballantyre St John's for hosting us Finally on the football front domestically after two rounds of the go-ahead adult football league in the county four sides are locked together on four points and three of them are from south of the river. Thomas Davis, Luke and Sars and St. Jude. St. Sylvester's the odd one out on this particular occasion. Sills enjoyed a fine victory over Scary's Harps in their north side derby. Thomas Davis overcame Kula. Lucan proved too strong for St. Vincent's, while Jude's earned a fine success over Ballymun Kickhams. Newly crowned All-Ireland Club champions Kilmacud Croaks went down at Park de Burka to Clontarf. Bally Broden were five-point winners over Nafina, while elsewhere there were second-round victories for both Rohini and Ballantyre St. John's. Uh, thank you, Declan, for all of that. And indeed, thank you to Ronan McLaughlin as well for his analysis on all of the football. OK, it's time for Hurling now. And I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Sean Lane. Uh, morning, Sean. How are you? Morning, Reg. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's on to the Hurling now. And um, yeah, it's I suppose it was a tough one on the back of defeat last uh, week to Tipperary. The Dubs, they've got to go to Kilkenny tomorrow, 145. Uh, that won't be an easy one. How do you see it going? No, it won't, Reg, and, and uh, you're getting to the business end of the, the, the National Leagues now. They they played tip the last day, and they weren't great, Reggie, to be honest. They did put up a score of 24 points, and tip, to be fair, they weren't great either. But uh, tomorrow is going into the, the Lions then, and Kilkenny are still in the league. Uh, Kilkenny are on four points, uh, Watford are on five, and, 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 and uh, tip are on six. So it's a big game for Kilkenny to try and get into the league. Uh, Kilkenny probably be without their Bally Hale contingent. They haven't played yet, of so TJ Reid, on Cody, Richie Reid, the brother and uh, Adrian Mullen but they, they, you know Kilkenny will still have some formidable players tomorrow you know in, in the, 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 the three O'Loughlin Gale lads Mikey Butler and, and, and Paddy Deegan and, and uh, Hugh Lawler but uh, you know and you know so Kilkenny will be very very hard to beat tomorrow but they will be trying very hard remember where we are now Reg is, is the last couple of league games are the kind of build mm. up to the championship mm. so teams will be taking the game serious and, and, and uh, I've no doubt Derek Ling 
is trying something new with Kenny, a new way of playing through the lines. I've watched him twice. Um, so, so you know, he'll be trying to formulate plans for the, for the championship. So they will be taking the game serious. And then Kilkenny's last game is away to Waterford, which will be another uh, top-class game for Kilkenny. Absolutely, yeah, as you said, really hotting up now as, as we get to the business end uh, of the season. So there will be good weekend, uh, games this weekend. Like overall, Division 1A and 1B, uh, those games kind of coming to the, to, to the end. Where do you see or who... Who do you see coming out of it, and what are the good games to look forward to this weekend? Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, I'll take one B because it's the, the group Dublin, and just to finish it off, I mean, Tipper are, are six points uh, in, in the group with, with Waterford five, and they actually meet tonight, Reggie, in 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 Torles. So that's going to be an absolute cracker of a game. I mean, with Tipperary, Liam Cahill's back there, and Davy Fitz, so two new managers, um, uh, and uh, you know who'll certainly be be, be looking for um, some silverware. Liam Cahill was the manager of Waterford last year when I tipped them to win the All Ireland, but with they fell at the first hurdle, but they did win the national league. So, like you know, from from a Tipperary point of view, Jason Ford's been playing out of his skin, Michael Breen, and also Dan McCormack. But Davy Fitz will, you know, he he'll want to try and uh, win this game, put a marker down, and and um, you know he can call on the Bennetts and and uh, Austin Gleese and Jamie Barron. Uh, I see a top class match tonight in 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 that particular one. The, the game we just spoke about, the Dublin-Kilkenny game, Kilkenny on, on four, spoke about them. From a Dublin perspective, um, you know, they, they have drawn with Waterford, but uh, Dublin can get back into the game, uh, into the league, if they if they uh, win tonight, um, and uh, or, or tomorrow, it's at 1.45, as you say. Uh, they'll put them to five points, and then Dublin's last game would be against Leash. So they're the two top-class games in, in that group, then Antrim play Leash, and I suppose the winner of that will probably avoid a relegation and playoff. On the other side, uh, Reggie, in 1A is a very very interesting again Pat Ryan a new manager with Cork they're showing something different this mm. year uh, they were 10 points down at one stage to Limerick in the first game That's of right, the season yeah. and it, it, it was a game I think everybody spoke about it for two weeks they came back and beat them 2-17 and I think it was 22 points but it was an absolute cracker of a game in Parky Keeve the old soldiers for Cork you know the Patrick Horgans Conor Lahans, Shane Kingston they're still to the fore uh, but what I do like about Cork they have a bigger physical presence in the half forward line uh, anybody that would follow Hurland in general one thing Cork always have is pace they've always got mm. stick work the cuteness and all that but over the last 10 years they probably were deprived of possession in key games at key times yep. and I think what he's trying to do um, you know and Pat was very successful with the Cork under 20s uh, I think he's trying to make sure that on the big day that they'll get it so Cork I think are a team to, to, to keep an eye on this year I said it last year and it, it didn't come true I think Henry Shefflin will be happy um, in the sense that Galway look, they look like they're out of of, of the league. Um, they play Westmead today, so they should get over that. But that'll only give them four points. Um, you know, but but the other side of that, the Parik Mannions and Garrod McInerney, that might give them an extra week or two of a rest before the Leinster Championship starts. Mm. So that mightn't be a bad thing. I'd say Henry is probably of all the managers, he's probably ahead of everybody because he he had a good look at them all last year. Where if you take um, you know the Tipperary, the Waterford, the Dublin, even uh, Derek Lingwickle, Kenny, a lot of the teams Reggie have all got new managers, so they're yeah. trying to find out about. But Henry just happens to know a little bit more about mm-hmm. them, and the league won't be as important to him. And um, you know. The the, the real dark horse of the league is is John Kiley's Limerick. They're only on four points, but their last two games are are they've played Westmead and Wexford and Westmead they should take care of, although Joe Fortune is doing a smashing job in Westmead. Uh, Wexford had an awful game the last day. It Reggie is. Day they conceded six twenty five. Yeah. So you'd kind of fancy Limerick there to, to, to win the last two games. Mm. 
uh, physically. When I watched Limerick earlier on, I think it was a game you were mentioning against Cork, I just couldn't believe the size of them physically. They're a monstrous uh, group of lads altogether. So uh, when they start to come good with their physical uh, strength and fitness as well, and along with the skills they have, which are exceptional, you're right, um, they're, they're going to be a, a tough yeah. team to stop when yeah. it comes later on in the season. And how, how will it all end up, I suppose, is really the, the, the boring question. You'd, you'd have to fancy... Uh, Cork will come out and probably as 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 top of Group One A, and, mm. and I would fancy Limerick to to come with them. So, um, and on the other side, uh, I still fancy Tipperary will probably just get over Waterford tonight um, yep. uh, to to top the group, and it really probably. Dublin would be an outside bet they'd have to win both games and I don't think that's likely um, but uh, you know that'll be the second place be between Warford and, and, and Kilkenny so if I was to call it I'd still think Kilkenny might might sneak in there so you'd end up on, on the semi-finals right here the 25th of March you'd have number one in 1A which would be Cork playing um, Kilkenny or Warford we'll say and the other semi-final then would be Tipperary the winners of 1B would play the runners up in 1A which would be Limerick so two mouth-watering sem- <laughs> semi-finals uh, for the 25th and then we're straight into championship we joined on the line now for football by the one and only Alan Cawley good morning Al how are you? I'm good Reggie how are you? Oh, never better what a weekend of sport ahead of us I can't wait um, and uh, last weekend wasn't too bad either I had a good crack with uh, Ken earlier on getting stuck <laughs> into him but um I suppose we'll start with that and your opinion on it. I mean, it was. Uh, I know these things happen, and and it's uh, you know it's sport, and pe- teams can have a bad day. But I just think the way that they capitulated was really the talk of the town for United last week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a very bad day, Reggie, um, because as you said, these things can happen. But I suppose there's a way of losing a football match as well, and whatever about losing two or three nil, and and in the right way with the right approach and attitude as you see it, it's unacceptable really when you throw the towel in no matter what the scoreline is but at 1-0 you're thinking the game is very much in the balance at half time and who could have envisaged what would have happened in the second half and particularly around the fact that Man United have shown so many good signs all season and you thought that I suppose the disciplinarian side of a Ten Hag and the professional side and all that kind of thing um, would carry them through now and that would be the, the staple of them going forward so to see that capitulation, as you say, and, and even he described it himself as being unprofessional the second half, it was it was really surprising and shocking, really, to be honest with you, because um, up to now we've given them all the plaudits. They're obviously on the right track. He's done a great job since going in. They're still a bit away, as I keep saying, to, to maybe a Man City or Real Madrid or winning a league or a Champions League or whatever the case may be, getting right back to the top table. But they're certainly on the right track. So to lose 7-0 to your, your nearest rivals and in the manner in which they did, I don't think anyone could say that, Reggie. Yeah, but from a Liverpool point of view, um, a great result for them because it puts them back up into fifth position, um, a game they would have been worried about. Fifth position, chasing hard uh, after Spurs, just three points behind them for that top four slot. So, you know, is it going to be a turning point, do you think, for, for Liverpool, give them the confidence to see out the season and get that top four spot? Yeah, you'd have to think so, Reggie, because I suppose the problem for Liverpool all season has been their inconsistency and you did, did win a couple of matches and then you think here they are as you said is the corner turned and then they'd fall fall flat again in the following fixture and we see that even the night, the, against the game against Everton won the games that they were really poor and or Everton they played quite well but there was a game before that and you're thinking is the is the corner turned now and then they let themselves down in the next game so it's um, they have to build on that Reggie like they'll, they'll get no greater confidence than beating Man United 7-0 and Liverpool are a very good team with some very good players we all know that 
um, everyone like you don't become a bad team overnight I think you just try to incorporate a couple of new players into the team and that'll give them the, the world of confidence Gakbo and obviously Nunes as well scoring Salah also and that takes time sometimes to obviously trying to get those players into the team and, and playing the way that they, they've played previously with other personnel so you can't always just replicate what you had before when you have different players so I think it's taken a bit of time to get that but that result will do them the world of good. And you'd like to think they'll carry them on now for the rest of the season and go on a bit of a run because, as you say, the win today, they should beat Bournemouth as well. Um, and they'll win today, they'll go level with Spurs and they're right back in that top four hunt then. Absolutely, yeah. Well, you mentioned Bournemouth. I have to mention uh, Nelson's last gasp. When you see stuff like that, and we are getting last gasp winners uh, in a game that we probably should have won anyway, you would have thought, uh, you're kind of feeling maybe, maybe this is our year after all. Oh, it was incredible, Reggie. I was sitting here last week with Little Fella. We watched the match. After 10 seconds, we had a goal. And obviously, in the 97th minute, we had a winning yeah. goal. So it was absolutely incredible. And the game in between those moments as well was brilliant. And Bournemouth played their part also, Reggie. They were yeah. very, very good. They were. And if you go back to a moment, I think at one stage, they were 1 0 up Arsenal. And Bournemouth broke away. Ramsdale pulled off a brilliant save. And that would have been 2 0. And it would have been a really tough ask then. Obviously, they came back from that when Bournemouth went 2 0 up. But I just felt at that moment in time, after only 15, 20 minutes, it would have been very, very difficult. But then Arsenal showed all their character, their resilience, stuff people have questioned them in the past about Reggie. But um, some finish to the game. And for a young lad to come on, obviously an academy graduate as well, hasn't really seen much game time. Not sure if he's in Arteta's plans. But he turned to him last week, played really well when he came on as well. And then the goal, it was just one of those kind of famous Premier League moments that you may look back on in 15, 20 years time and, and, and remember it as being all important and it could be even more important if it carries the league title Yeah, absolutely, we'll just have to see how it unfolds um, City on the other hand then, I, I'm, I'm still, I still don't know where they are, I can't work them out, I don't know are they going to come with a big surge at the end I know they're steady, they're consistent, they're five points after us, the Crystal Palace today, uh, they'll beat them no doubt uh, but it, I just don't I can't work them out this season. Yeah, they're just they're still just hovering around the yeah. edge. That's the problem. Yeah. Like as you said, they, they, it looks as though to all of us tuning in and, and obviously over the course of the season they haven't hit top flight and as everybody knows their top flight is something else. It would leave everybody trailing in their way. But they haven't quite hit that, but yet still with the quality that they have, they're still capable of winning matches, hovering around as I say, those top positions. And if they do go on a run, then you would worry for Arsenal. But I think as long as Arsenal are on top and keep doing what they're doing, Reggie. I said it a few weeks back, I still have Arsenal favourites to win it. Um, City will need to go a bit and go on some run to top of this Arsenal team because I think Arsenal are, are very capable themselves of winning the next 7, 8, 9 and they could pull away. So it'll be an interesting finish towards the end but um, I think at Man City will beat Crystal Palace today anyway, that's for sure. Yeah, OK. I'm interested, Alan, to get your opinion uh, as a, an RTE pundit. Maybe not on the same money as uh, Gary Lineker, but uh, with the BBC. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing that's happening over there at the moment and a very serious thing where everybody's stepping back. Um, well, what do you make of the whole situation with the Match of the Day stuff and Gary Lineker? It's a remarkable situation, really, Reggie. And, and obviously, I've followed this all week, but to think a tweet that was sent out midweek has led to anarchy, really, in the mm. BBC in terms of the sports department. And obviously, it started with Lineker, then his two mate, his friends, buddies, colleagues, whatever you want to describe Ian Wright, Alan Shearer, high-profile names as well. They decide to step down. Then you have all the commentators, pundits, everybody, really. And it's looking like football focus maybe pulled now as well. I think Alex Scott has pulled out of that. 
So it is absolute anarchy. And, and to think we've got to this situation with such an institutional program as well. We've all grown up watching matches there all our lives. It's, it's, it's an important part of the evening for people in so many lives watching the highlights over the years. And to think now it's a situation where will Gary Lineker even come back? Can he come back from this, you know, in terms of how badly the BBC have handled this situation? Because um, he has the support of all the people across England, it seems, not just with, obviously, the, the pundits that are standing by his side as well. So it's an, a remarkable situation. And it's, ha- I suppose, happening so quickly, every hour you're reading a different tweet from a different individual saying they're not going to take part in I just think it's been handled so, so badly by the BBC, Reggie. It has, yeah, there's no question about that. And I suppose it also just gives you a real example of the power of sport, um, that it isn't just about sport, that it can have political influence and uh, the followers that people have with social media now. So I suppose that's the real, the reach of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at Lineker, I think he's 8.7 million followers. And this is the first time he's tweeted about political situations. He's obviously very vocal in that regard. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend.